Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiasts. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine with insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, helping you improve your game from tea to green. Good morning, welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Epson, LPGA and Legends Tour, and so many others helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf, and this is our Season 11 kickoff. So welcome, Cindy. That's hard to believe. It is. I looked it. I checked it out. Trust me, this is Season 11. Yeah, you've been stuck with me for all these years. Um, but we're we're excited to be here. We're going to talk uh, uh, shop here in just a moment. Uh, and a little bit later on, we're going to be joined by LPJ professional and author Tara Fox uh, about her new book, Grounded Golf, Steady Performance Under Pressure for the Female Golfer. She'll be joining us on the second half. But uh, a couple of quick notes. Next week, uh, we'll be joined by two great guests. Uh, starting things off will be uh, Jody Brothers. He is the CBO of uh, the Epson Tour uh, from the LPGA. He'll be helping us uh, get ready to kick off another Epson Tour season. Uh, so he'll be joining us. And then Debbie Waitkus will be joining us, a good friend, uh, Golf for Cause, and also here to talk about uh, as they get ready to prepare for another successful Marilyn Smith uh, Foundation uh, event coming up uh, in a few months. She's going to be talking about that, all the interesting things going on with the tournament and also about their scholarship opportunities as well. So you want to stick around and join us next week. But, yes, this is our first show. We had a, a little bit of a hiatus and um, as we wrapped up last December and uh, took a little bit of a break as we got ready for this season. And, yes, Cindy, Witt, this is Season 11. I know it's hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, wow. <laughs> Whatever. Here we are. Time Time flies. That's right. Here we are. We're glad to be back on air. All right. So I thought what we would do is we would just talk about a few things. Both of us, of course, attended, and I was I was just actually starting to mention something. Um, Cindy and I were talking off air and and uh, about something different, and you were saying about you being a moving target, and I can uh, I can agree with that. I tried to uh, connect with you at the show. I was actually hovering outside uh, the LPGA's room looking for you, and they said every time I'd come, you had just left or you'd gone. So I don't know if it was something personal uh, that you were avoiding me or you just had things going on, but needless to say, we didn't connect there. But did you have a good show? I did. I did. I snooped some new things, and I spent more money than I wanted to, but I'm glad I did. And... um, yeah, I'm glad I went. I've got I went to a couple of seminars, learned some new things, and spent too much money. Saw lots of nice yeah. people that I hadn't seen in a long time. 
made some good connections and saw a lot of old friends. How about you? Same thing. Uh, obviously, a lot of different meetings going on that I had uh, in preparation for this season. Uh, we booked a lot of guests, of course, uh, for the shows coming up for both this and uh, obviously um, my other program. I do Thursday nights, Golf Talk Live, and I'll talk about that Thursday night. But um, uh, yeah, it was a great show. And what did you think? Uh, did you get a chance to get out on the floor at all and, and walk around a little bit, or were you just too busy with other stuff? And, and the reason why I ask is I want to no, get your thoughts. Very busy. Yeah, it was very, very busy, and it was actually, yeah, I mean, I remember last year it was, you know, it was pretty good as well, but I think this year was even a little bit better. I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but I think it was even better. So we're starting to, post-pandemic, uh, I think starting to get back to some normalcy. Uh, it began, obviously, last year uh, was sort of the first official year back uh, that they actually had in-house and not virtual, uh, but this year uh, it seemed to be really, really good, and, and uh, I thought it was uh, a successful show. What about you? I agree. I remember, so the booth numbers went up higher than normal. I remember when the booth numbers were up to 15,000, 16,000, and this year they went up to seven or 8,000. So right. last year I think they were only up to five or 6,000. So lots more booths and lots more people. Mm-hmm. So it was very successful. Yes. Agreed. Yeah, it, it, was inter- it was interesting. The only thing... If I was to have one little complaint, and I understand why they did it, the only thing that I didn't like is for some reason this year they put all of the numbers, the aisle numbers or row numbers, whatever you want to call them, on the floor. And I kept looking up. I was looking because they used to have them over hanging overhead so you could kind of see, you know, 5,800, whatever, 55, you know, whatever, 3,500, whatever it was you're looking for. So it was easier to find things, I found. And for some reason, I guess for space or whatever, they decided to put them on the floor. And I didn't realize that at first. And I was looking around and thought, how am I going to find all this stuff that I needed to go to? And sure enough, I just happened to look down, and there it was. Um, so I, I was able to get around after that. But that was the only thing that was a little bit confusing for me at first, but it, it, it settled down. Did you see anything when you did walk around? Was there anything that caught your eye uh, particularly? Was there something that uh, you wanted to see or that you did see that maybe you hadn't seen before? I investigated Sportsbox AI, which I was skeptical about, and I went to the seminar, and then I ended up purchasing it, and I really like um, the way you can see a swing in 3D motion. And I'm not right. all the number freak person, so I, you know, we don't teach with a lot of tech, but I like the fact that you can see more a golf swing in 3D without the clothes on because it's like a stick figure guy. And I like right. that. So that was cool. And that's good for you, too, because as an instructor and as a coach, because now you get really some very good feedback in a 3D motion. Um, again, yeah. I, I'm like you. I'm not, I'm not a real big numbers uh, person when it comes to uh, golf game either. I, I think sometimes, unfortunately, <clears throat> pardon me, I think um, some coaches get a little bit too caught up, in my opinion, uh, in the numbers game. And, uh, you know, that's fine for for students that really want to know those numbers. But for the majority of people, I think they just want to improve. They want to hit better, make good, solid contact, and just, you know, have more fun. I, I did a recent, um, which brings me to this point, I, I did a recent um, poll 
in Golf Tips um, newsletter that just went out uh, last week. And what was really interesting was the number, there were two, uh, two of the answers to the question is, what do you want to, uh, what would you like to see most in a golf lesson? Um, and there was, you know, uh, improve irons, you know, improve distance, that sort of thing. And the two answers that received the highest uh, percentage was number one. Well, number one was never taking a lesson. That was an option. And, but the other one was um, wanting to have more fun. All of the others were Ooh. in like three, yeah, three, 4% of the respondents. And there was nearly 300 people that responded to this poll. And the majority, um, very, very high percentage, about 30, I think it was 35 between the two of them each, that is. So 70% of the people that responded, responded to those two questions. They'd either never taken a lesson, which was bumped it up, I think, by one vote. And the other one was wanting to have more fun. They didn't care about, um, you know, improving distance as much. Uh, that was, I think, um, you know, 5%, 6%, something like that. It was very, very low. I should have, I wish I had to pull it up so I could tell you the, the exact How numbers. How about was one but of I was, the answers being more consistent? Yes, it was. Um, yeah, and, and I'm, I'm just sort of going off. Not, I mean, there was certainly some votes there, but it was very, very low percentage. The biggest percentage was those oh. two. I was really surprised at that because I think, so and, and this goes to. want to take a lesson? No, it was just, it's not that they didn't want, they had never had a lesson. So the people, that was one oh. of the options if, is there was like, I think six or seven uh, answers. And the last one was had never taken a lesson. So 36% of the people that responded to the poll had never taken a lesson and wow. which, you know, I, I can understand that. Yeah, that's a lot. And that says a lot too. Um, you know, people that want to improve their handicaps, um, you know, they have to get out there and work on their game and some people just prefer to do it on their own and that's their choice. Um, but I think, you, you know, we always need some help uh, regardless of what level of player you're at. So I was really surprised. So maybe that, my next that, article is find a teacher. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and that's important. I think that's, that would actually be a great article, um, I think, because yeah, you know, a, lot of, a, lot of, yeah, a lot of people don't know how to really find a good teacher, one that fits their eyes, so to speak, because well, yeah, you know, there's a lot of great... Confused, you know? Right, right, exactly. And I think, too, uh, the other thing is, you know, going back to the numbers, is... I think a lot of people, and that's why I think the other question, or the other answer rather, um, wanting to have more fun was also rated, you know, 35 to 36%. And I think it's just because I think for so long, for these last several, you know, maybe 10 years, um, you know, the golf in general has really gotten involved in the numbers so much that I think it's been a little bit of a turnoff. I think it's important for the instructors to have some of that data and that information. But I think in their, you know, overzealousness, if you will, um, tried to relay that information too much to the students. And I think the students got overwhelmed. And I think that was why so many of them responded the way they did. Is they just want to go out and have fun. They don't care, you know, uh, ball speed or spin rates. They don't really, the majority. Now, there are some that do uh, that are just number crunchers, if you will. Um, but majority of them, I think, just want to get out there and have fun. 
And I think that's uh, that was an interesting. I'm going to publish that uh, poll actually in in uh, the magazine in the next issue um, because I think it's very interesting. I think it's not only for yeah, I think it's a good one to put out there. So um, speaking of of you know starting your season off right, of course uh, we always encourage uh, lessons. But uh, the other thing that you want to do too is make sure you're playing with the right equipment, right? I mean that's an important thing as well. If you're you know dusting off an old uh, set of golf clubs that you've had for the last 12 years. Uh, technology has changed. It might be time to um, look at upgrading uh, what you've got in the bag. So what are your thoughts on that? I would go try different clubs. I don't know that I would, you know, this sounds terrible, but I don't know that I would go get fit, go try different clubs. I might go to a demo day, Mm -hmm. you know, it wouldn't pay to get, you know, this sounds terrible and somebody's going to shoot me, but it wouldn't pay to get fit <laughs> um, unless I know I want new clubs. But I would try different clubs. And I would try, again, it's kind of like, pretend you're not married and you're trying to figure out, you know, who do I want to go out with? And you try a different iron and you look down at it and go, oh, wow, that's ugly. I'm not going out with that guy, Right. <laughs> and so you got to like the way the, the iron looks, right? you got to like right. the way the face looks when you look down at it. Is the top line too heavy? You know, is it fat? Is it ugly? Is it, What does the face look like? And um, is the shaft too heavy? You know, are you tall? I, the first thing I do is measure someone from, you know, the knuckles to the floor. Do you need, you know, men's <laughs> length, ladies' length? Why are you laughing at me? Go ahead, keep going. Well, because, again, I say to people, look at me. If I walked into a normal golf store and said, I want new clubs, and you didn't know who I was, you would give me old lady grandma clubs. And and teasing, I would say, you have no idea that I'm the badass bitch from Buffalo, and I use men's regular shafts because I have short arms, and the distance from my knuckles to the floor measures for men's regular shaft or men's length let's put it that way and then you would watch me swing and say oh well she can hit it right but you wouldn't do Mm -hmm. that if you were a 20 year old kid making 15 to 20 bucks an hour you would automatically give me ladies clubs so you don't just hand over the sticks you got to ask questions and measure so that drives me out of my mind because they give automatically give all women women's clubs. So right. you got to go try clubs. You got to make sure that they fit you. You know, whatever. I've got a woman that's coming from Erie, who's got a big time job. She's going to play Succession in South Carolina. She's got these big shot insurance people kissing her butt, trying to do business with them, and she's got. You know, women's clubs, I go, well, you got to go buy some men's senior shafts. You know, what? I, so I'm very adamant about having the right club. Yes. And I'll Yeah, no, I, I agree. No, that I, I agree 100%. I think too quickly um, golfers get pigeonholed into one way or the other. And you're exactly right. I think you need to go, if they're having, um, uh, you know, a demo day or something in your area, 
um, you need to go and investigate. And there's, I mean, all over the country you can find them. It's very, very easy. You know, you can contact the local pro and just see if there's one coming uh, in that area that they know of that they can, uh, you know, that's available to the public, which most of the the demo days are. Um, And, you know, get a chance to get out there and try them. But you're exactly right. There's a lot of women that uh, that was is one of their complaints is that they get put into typically uh, the women's shafts. Maybe they're more athletic and they can actually, you know, as you do, um, play with a, maybe a standard men's, um, you know, shaft. And so it, it's very, very important. So before you get fit up, make sure that the club appeals to your eye because you're the one that's going to be looking down at it. And, um, well, you know, make sure it's... Yeah, go ahead. I hate to interrupt, but the other thing is if you're working on your game, so one of the questions that, you know, the guy should ask you or the girl that's at the pro shop, are you working on your game? Are you currently in a lesson program? How many days a right. week are you practicing? Are you trying to improve your club head speed? Because if you're, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a young student who is, let's say you're in sixth or seventh grade and you're a young man, right, we got a young mm-hmm. man that's 13 years old right now. Well, what's going to happen to him in two years? He's going to grow six, seven inches, right? Maybe at least four. Well, right. so we told his dad, I wouldn't buy any clubs right now. He's coming in at least once a week. So we gave him a set of Jamie's old clubs and, and said, you know, these are heavier. Don't buy any clubs yet. They're not the X100 shaft that he may end up using, right, because that would mm-hmm. be too heavy. But don't buy any clubs right now because if you buy a set right now, in a year or two, you're going to need to buy another set. So just use right. these clubs, you know, for now because these aren't going to be the end-all clubs. Two years from now, that's the clubs you're going to use for the next five or six or seven years. So you buy your own clubs when you're out of college. So. Those are all the questions you need to ask, depending on the age, depending on how much you're going to play. So, like, women come in that are attorneys or bankers, or and, and this woman from Erie, you know, the insurance company. I said, you know, how long are you going to play? You're going to play with business guys all the time. Now you need to buy a better bag. They're going to judge you by the clubs in your bag. And if you go and buy a set of $300 clubs, and you're playing at a you know hundred thousand dollar you know initiation fee or five hundred thousand dollar initiation fee club, they're gonna go, hmm, the cheapo, you know they're judging you. Yeah. Let's yeah. get a golf bag with your monogram on it, you know, a really nice golf bag with really nice clubs in it. Now they're saying, oh, she came to play. Everything mm-hmm. you know, you got to play the part. So. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. It, 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 a lot of it is about image, and, and you have to, um, you know, portray. it depends on what you want to portray. But that's a great point. Just going back to what you were saying about especially younger players, um, and, and I think more so even with boys, because boys tend to have a lot of growth spurt at a certain age, especially when they get in around middle school. And, you know, to go out and spend um, a lot of money on, a, even if they're a decent player, on a good set of a new set of clubs and they're going to grow three, four inches in the next, you know, couple of years, you're going to turn around and have to spend that money again. So yeah, you, you, there's a lot of options out there where you can pick up a, a, you know, a secondhand set or even some hand-me-downs from dad. Um, you might have to make some adjustments here and there, but it's worth it uh, to do that. And I agree, you know, you don't want to run out and get fit until you've really tried some options out. 
And that's one thing that unfortunately a lot of people don't do. So um, definitely you want to go and test some things out before you get fully fitted. At some point you do want to make sure that the clubs are adjusted accordingly for your level of play and, and your um, overall uh, fitness abilities and so forth, which brings me to the next point is, you know, at the show I noticed there were a lot of uh, fitness and obviously always a lot of fashion things. Was there anything that caught your eye? Um, well, I love retail therapy, so, yes. <laughs> and I and I know the women from Canona, and I love Canona. Um, so I got some stuff there. Um, I saw the guys from the embroidery companies, because I have a an embroidery yep. business, so I was talking to them. Uh, so, again, you know, you tend to go towards the companies that you know. Donald Ross, oh, I love Donald Ross. And Rob Stein, we know him. He owns the company. So, again, you know, you go hang out with the people that you know. Alternative logos, you know, we know him. Ryan Gable's a friend of Jamie's. He's on the board of the New York State Golf Association, and our son's the president of the New York State Golf Association this year. So, you know, we go hang out and see the people that we know. And then I and I things. Yeah, I stopped by. I don't know if you um, – they were actually on the show. They're going to be coming on the show again, or the owner is, uh, Hot Girl Pearls. You remember those? Um, yeah. I believe you actually – I love those. Yeah. Yeah. They were I there. Uh, yeah, I talked with them uh, for a little bit. And these are a great um, – they're uh, freezable, wearable, and very stylish uh, pearls for uh, – uh, for women, and they actually do have a bracelet for men. I didn't know that until I obviously stopped at the booth. So if you're thinking about something for Valentine's Day uh, for that uh, uh, loved one in your life, uh, you might want to visit hotgirlspearls.com and check it out. It's really great. They they cool these things off. Uh, they last. I asked them how long they last, and typically about 30 minutes uh, out in some pretty hot weather. And they have necklaces, bracelets, you know, all kinds of things. And it's just designed to keep you cool while well, at the same time looking stylish. And I know, I believe they actually sent you one, did they not? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then I bought some, too. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, of course. Yeah. So go to hotgirlspearls.com. They're going to be coming on the show uh, a little bit later as well uh, in the season. So we'll, we'll, keep, we'll let you know about them. But they're going to come back and talk about some of the new things that they're doing. But, uh, yeah, they were down there. I was surprised to see them. I actually accidentally stumbled across them. And, and stop by and uh, and invited them back out to the show. So they're going to be, as I said, joining us on a, on a future show. We'll keep you posted about that. And, and as I mentioned, Jody Brothers is going to be coming on. He's the chief uh, business officer. He was on uh, early in the season last year uh, as he took over that position with the LPJ's Epson Tour uh, division, and he's going to be uh, telling us about their new season. Their 2024 schedule is out, and I believe it starts the first week of March. Um, and we're going to be lining up some players uh, early in the season uh, before they kick off, and then obviously we're going to uh, do our darndest to try and lasso uh, the winners. Uh, one of the things, and I know some people last year had reached out to me, and they said, well, I know you're going to have the winners on, and, and uh, there were a number of them that didn't come on. Well, two reasons is, is it can be difficult. Um, number one, a lot of these players are traveling so much that it's not always convenient for them to do it, um, and also... Uh, in some cases, there's been language barriers. So some of the winners, unfortunately, if there's a language barrier, they're not going to do any media. Um, it's a shame, but uh, understandable, and it's very difficult to uh, coordinate a, a translator. Um, so we try to 
get the next best thing, maybe the runner-up or something. So we're going to do our best to get the winners this season. Hopefully we'll get more than we did last year, um, but we're excited about that, and we're definitely going to get uh, more players coming on this year uh, through the season, so I'm really, really excited about that. And, you know, it, it's interesting because I was talking to somebody at the PGA show uh, just a, a few weeks back um, about this very thing, and they do a lot of work. In fact, I think it was at the Bushnell booth that I was talking to somebody there, and they work with some of these young ladies in obviously product exchange and things like that, but they are extremely impressed at just how well these young ladies play. Um, just and, and this goes to something, too, you know, with, with lessons, right? I mean, a lot of the uh, golfers out there really struggle, not just with making good contact, but their tempo and timing. And this was something that we talked about at the show was how good these young girls are with their tempo and timing. What do you think? I think they're all amazing. And and I here's the other thing. They're not only amazing. Um there's so many of them. Yeah. And we have a young girl that we teach. This is her first year for the Epson tour. And I asked her if she wanted to be on the show and she's the shy and quiet type. And she really doesn't want to be on the show. She wants to fly under the radar. And so right. I said, okay, I'll keep, I'll keep my mouth shut and we'll just watch what you do. She's an Allen type. Uh, she's nothing mm-hmm. like Cindy. And uh, I'm like her mental I, you know, kick her in the butt when she needs it. But um, there's so many of them that are so good that it's just really hard to make it. And they have to go so low. And, I mean, again, you just, it's so hard to make it. It's just, you got to be amazing. you got to be amazing. And it's well, what, what really, yeah, what really impresses me, and that's why I mentioned this, um, you know, about their, their tempo and their timing. Um, you know, I've had the pleasure of not just watching on TV, but um, I think I had mentioned last season that I attended. They had the Q Series for the LPJ um, down south here last year. Uh, they've actually had it for a couple of years at, at a local course. And what was really interesting is watching them, you know, practice out in the range there's just so fluid there's such a fluidity with their golf swings. I think my opinion, I think their tempo and their timing is much better than the men's. And the reason why I say that is the men tend to want to play the power game. So they're very aggressive with their swings, not saying obviously they have to have good timing in that as well, but it just doesn't look, it just looks like they're like, it's an angry burst. Whereas the, the, the ladies seem to just have a very free flowing, natural looking swing. Um, and yet still generate, I mean, you know, you were talking a few years ago, we had uh, a couple of the players on that were averaging, you know, 285 yards on the Epson tour. And these girls are in their, you know, early twenties, um, which is amazing. Um, so, you know, it just goes to show that you don't have to beat the tar out of the golf ball for it to go far. You just have to be, you know, consistent. You just, your swing just has to be, um, and your timing just has to be just such right. And, you know, I think this is something that I've really noticed with the ladies um, on tour is just how good 
their tempos are. What do you think? Well, it's true because and, and their swings are so good, and they use the leverage of their bodies to produce the distance without looking like they're trying to kill something. I mean, when you see yeah. them in person and you watch, you stand on the driving range, all you got to do is stand on the driving range and watch right. 10 of them hit balls, and you go, wait a minute, wait a minute. How are they hitting it that far, <laughs> looking like they're right. not even trying? I mean, you want to walk up and yeah. slap them. And, and they're all yeah. like, you know, five foot six to five, even five, five foot three or four to five foot seven or eight. And they're all flying it over 210, 220, flying it. Right. And some of them 240, yeah. 250, 260. And you go, wait a minute, what the heck am I doing? And they're skinny. Mm. You know, they're like, 120 pounds, maybe 110 pounds, and you're like, holy cow! So it's just the the leverage of their body, and they're not moving all over the place. You know, their sternums are totally still. Everything's swinging around them. It's just it's amazing to watch. It's yeah, it, it really awesome. is. I I agree 100% with what you said. I mean, I, that was what amazed me um, was that many of them, not all of them. There's obviously various sizes and whatnot, but many of them were, were um, you know, certainly nowhere near as tall as the men, um, certainly not as, as muscular as, the, as some of the men are uh, on tour now, especially some of the young guys, um, but they could just flight the ball um, with, with very little effort, or it certainly appeared to be very little effort, and it was amazing to watch, and I, I enjoy it. In fact, I enjoy watching that more than I do the men's tours, um, but uh, anyways, so we're going to be having some of those. Uh, you work on that young lady that's uh, starting out the season on the Epson tour that you're working with, and we'll try to get her on maybe closer to the end of the season. Tell her to tune into the show, and she'll see just how easy it is and how how um, how, how good will be to her. So uh, we want to get her on the show at some point throughout the season, so keep working on her. All right, we're going to take a very fast break, and then we're going to be back with our very special guest, uh, Tara Fox. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple to follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget and so much more don't miss a single issue go to golftipsmag.com and subscribe today all right welcome back you're listening to the women of golf show with uh, ted and cindy and uh, we're excited to have our first guest of season 11 uh, tara fox she's a uh, lpj professional and graduated from the university of california in berkeley and was the first recruit to play on scholarship for cal's uh, women's golf team. Uh, her passion for helping others to learn the game, Tara has become a life member of the LPJ and elevator of the LPJ Global Education Team. She also links her love for travel with golf on her uh, Start the Scotland golf trips. I will tell you a little bit about that and more. And uh, she's here to talk about this morning uh, her uh, new book uh, called Grounded Golf, um, Steady Performance Under Pressure for the Female Golfer. And uh, it's all about 
um, her fascination with the mental game and how it can help golfers through some tough times on the links, and we can all relate that for that. So, uh, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest, Tara Fox. Good morning. Good morning, Ted and Cindy. It's a pleasure to meet you. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. So I've done the best I can to uh, keep it quiet in my household, but the the little pug just snuggled in right next to me. So (laughs) we'll see if you hear some snoring. It's not me, I promise. All right, we'll take your we'll take your word for it. so tell us a little bit. I, I obviously just gave. I mean, you have uh, a yeah, laundry a list of, of, of it, yeah. There's. I mean, there's a million other things. Uh, obviously, uh, you and your husband Alan uh, own TMI yeah. Golf, which uh, is an instructional travel business together that you work on, and we can talk a little bit about that as well. As I mentioned, uh, uh, working uh, trips to Scotland and other areas as well, and uh, you've been teaching this game for 25 plus uh, years uh, and are very respected in the. Uh, Napa Valley community, so uh, in good company there. So, tell us a little yeah. bit about yourself. Uh, you know, obviously, besides that, tell us a little bit. What actually? Yeah, let's do it this way. <laughs> what? Add to that? No, just kidding. What got you into golf? What was the first recollection that you had? Not as as a professional per se, but what intrigued intrigued you about the game itself? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Only because I'm probably a little bit different than. Most of your guests were golf was not a primary um, sport for me. I um, was a tennis player in the beginning, and uh, I didn't want to take PE as a subject in high school. So I grew up on a course uh, my father and brother played. And because I didn't want to take PE, I was like, oh, I'll just try out for the golf team. They didn't have ladies' golf teams at that time, or they were just coming. And, um, yeah, tried out, I made it, and that's my biggest message today, I think, to especially young girls and my own, um, my teenagers as well, is that you don't have to like golf, you just have to know how to play it. There's so many opportunities that arise by playing golf, um, and just doors opened after that for me. So it was amazing. My senior year, that's when Cal was starting their golf game, and uh, that's how it started. So not being somebody that really grew up in the game from a youngster, when was the point that you recall that you really kind of got bitten by the bug? And that's a term that we often hear in golf. Yeah, is, well, that, you know, I got bitten. And, <laughs> and most people, yeah, most, most people remember that time. Do you have a, a, a sort of a fond or special memory when it really clicked for you? Yeah, and I think I'm going to go, I'm going to answer this more as the teaching route, because golf, I was always, I was decent at golf, but um, the piece to me was when I started helping people, so um, it was senior, no, not senior year, I guess it was our sophomore year, we were called for the summer times to help at the Nike Junior Golf Camps down in Pebble Beach, not the worst summer job in the world, I got to tell you. Mm. Um, and learned how to help people. I worked under a wonderful mentor, um, Rich Merrick at the time, and the first time I helped somebody get better at their game, that was it for me. That was like, I can actually help people learn this game, get better at this game, and um, it wasn't until later that I started using the techniques that I wrote about, but that was was it for me. Um, Once I started helping people, get better and seeing their passion and love for the game, that's, that's when it bit me. 
that's when the golf bug bit. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know it's interesting because because for for some folks, you know, they really enjoy playing more. Um, yeah. You know, you see often of all, as we were talking, sitting there, we're talking about LPGA players love to be out on tour. Yes. But that doesn't necessarily yes. mean that they're all going to convert to teaching later on. Um, and it takes a very special person. And some people can do both. Some do either or. So it's very interesting yeah. that obviously there was a, a point when you decided, hey, I, I really like to help people. And this is something I can use uh, and, I, and uh, mm-hmm. help people with their golf game. So, I mean, I think yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, I definitely went the teaching route. I think um, Cindy would probably agree with not all players can teach and um, that's the one thing about the LPGA teaching professional portion of the LPGA that's a lot different where they really show you how to do a student-centered golf lesson and then from there it's just it's amazing from there how you can help people I I couldn't agree more Um, Cindy go ahead (laughs) she's absolutely right about that and not all not all players number one, want to teach and or are good at it, Mm -hmm. you have to want to help people. And I think this, well, I probably shouldn't say it out loud, but the LPGA (laughs) is the best. I'll say it maybe a little more politically correct. The LPGA is the best at teaching teachers how to be student-centered teachers. Is that a better way to say it? That's a perfect way to say it, Cindy. Very PC. Well, but you're right. It is It is the LPG. <laughs> they do. They are above and beyond as far as their teaching piece to the puzzle. Um, they have the playing piece, of course, and then the teaching piece. The LPGA is well far beyond what they, you know, as far as the instruction of how to teach others how to you know, help others get better. It's just, it's impressive, the knowledge, and they're always changing with the new information that's coming out as well. Why do you think we are that way? <laughs> can be, I won't say the first thing that came out of my mouth. No, um, I think that when you enter the LPGA, and, and that's, that's, I think, the biggest difference between the PGA and the LPGA, and they're both incredible organizations, is that the PGA will train um, their... And there are people for more business oriented, so how to run a how to run a golf business, right? Where it's you know from the superintendent to the director of golf to the general manager, that piece is super important, of course. Um, and the LPGA is just taking a different route, where the people that enter the LPGA and getting their Class A um, license is like it's a big deal. They are they'll be some of the best teachers that come out of the organization, but we don't do as much as the business side. We do primarily the instructional side. We do people, don't you think? We do people. We do people. Another great way to put it. No wonder you have this show. <laughs> well, I think we do people and they do business. Yeah, I would and, agree. And I think they do business great, mm-hmm. you know. I think they do business really, really well. But I think you need both. Yeah, and I, I agree. And I I do know that um, the PGA has, they have been creating workshops and things that are focusing more on um, the instructional piece for those who want to go into instruction. Because some a lot of PGAs I know love the business side of it, not necessarily the instructional side. 
let me just inject real quick on that note. Um, Thank you, Ted. Then you can continue, <laughs> Somebody who's a on. PGA. <laughs> yes. uh, you know, one of the complaints I've actually heard from a lot of PGA members is um, many of them want to get into more of the teaching side. And obviously, as, as you both pointed out, um, you know, they're really heavy on the business side, which is good for those that want to go that route. But I think they really need to be more like the LPGA and, and sort of divide that up better and say, you know, those that really want to just teach, you know, here's what you're going to do. You don't have to do this and do that. Um, because that's one of the complaints that, you know, I hear, especially for people just getting in is they're spending a lot of time in the pro shop and doing this because they've got to learn. And I understand that, but at the same time, they're eager to get out there and work on the area that they're excited about. And it's not, you know, holding shirts in the goal in the, in the pro shop. So, um, I just wanted to add that in there. There's a lot of PGA members that would agree with the points that you just made. So, Cindy, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay, it's time to change the subject. Tell us about Scotland. Oh no, <laughs> the biggest, the biggest, uh, most popular topic. Um, what do you want to know? How do I get into this? Um, I mean, that's probably kind of a fun story to tell. It's a, the story of. I want to hear it. I, I was. Uh, I don't know how much time do we have now. I'm just kidding. I'll try and do the short story. But so as a teaching pro, as you know, um, Scotland, St. Andrews being the home of golf was quite um, a big deal for a lot of people and my clients. I was taking my uh, lady, some lady clients each year somewhere. And Ireland was my jam until they came to me and they said, listen, we really want to do a Scotland trip. I said, okay, perfect. Um, so I set it up, and one of the first people I met was uh, my was Alan Tullis, who ended up later on being my husband. Um, but I just remember I remember arriving in St. Andrews, and I get this call from our tour operator, who was English, and he said, "Tara, he says, come meet us for drinks." And I said, "Okay, where? Like this was before my, you know, I flew in a couple of days before my clients came in, obviously." Um, and he's, I said, okay, where? He said the St. Andrews Golf Club. And for me, <laughs> I was like, my heart was pumping. I'm like, what do I wear? You know, in my head, I'm like, what am I going to wear? So threw on, you know, black jacket, black pants, some heels, and walked right into the Royal of Ancient, <laughs> an ancient golf club, which I had no idea. They were having a black tie affair. And they sa- oh, I said, no. I think I'm in the wrong place. And, she- and they said, oh, no problem. What are you looking for? I said, the St. Andrews Golf Club. They said, right across the street, right next to the 18th green, it's the one with the blue door. And I just said, oh, my gosh, that's so funny. So I walk in, and, you know, I'm just so nervous. And this was before I started my grounding techniques. So I just walk right in, an all-men's club, and met my tour operator and met his best pal, Alan, and he treated us to drinks. And this club is right next to the 18th green at the old course. So you're looking over the green, the first tee, the beach. Have you guys been there? Yes. No, but my tell me. played in the Walker Cup matches there. Oh, wonderful. Right? Yeah, and that is, it's just, it's just a very special place, right, obviously. Um, I was fortunate enough to have a round of golf there. And the next time I brought a set of ladies over, I met Alan again, and um and he treated us for drinks. He took us to our club, to his club, and that was a big deal for, for anybody that goes over to have a local that hosts them at, at such a prestigious uh, club itself. So um, my, that's right, my people, 
my people asked if we could bring Alan over because we he took such good care of us. So I got on the phone. I said, Alan, you know, I don't know if you've been to the States before. We'd like to host you here at the Silverado Resort in Napa. And he said, well, yeah, why not? His wife had just passed away about um, a year prior. So he was, you know, just doing whatever he wanted to do. And he came over and um, Chef Keller was my client at the time. And I said, you know, I'm kind of nervous. I don't really know where to take this gentleman. I'm not sure what to do. He said, Tara, relax. He's like, does he eat food? I said, oh, yeah, I'm sure he does. <laughs> and he said, bring him to the restaurant. And that was, that was the end of that. We had a three, three plus hour meal at the most incredible French laundry. And that was our first date. And I said, at the end of it, I said, right, you're not going home until, um, until you have a return ticket back. You're going to be, you're mine. <laughs> I asked him wow. to me a few months later. Yeah, he was just really a very, very special individual. Um, and then that that meeting really, once we knew we were going to be together, just decided to make it our you know retirement plan when it's when it's time just to have an up and running business to taking clients and interested people to Scotland, St Andrews in particular, Ireland. Uh, we're now doing Portugal and Spain and Mallorca and things like that so it's very it's been an incredible experience that's fantastic so we should do one with you Can sorry uh, yes so absolutely absolutely All right. yeah All right. but um you know it's it's tough the old course is becoming you know you can't buy your way into the old course it's one of those courses that unless you have a guaranteed time um it's really tough however um there are other courses there. And so if you stay the week and, you know, you can always ballot. There's a lot of different ways to um, to get there. And the start to Scotland trips are amazing. We just, we stay in a hotel. My clients are usually a little bit um, higher end. So we stay at, an, you know, a five-star hotel. And then they they just play and play. They can play nine holes. They can play 18 holes. There's no pressure. We go to dinner and lunch. And St. Andrews is a really great town as well. Um, and we have a couple, we have a place there that we stay when we're, when we're there. And it just gives a, people, ladies, couples, an opportunity to play at the home of golf without having to have, you know, an eight handicap or a five handicap. You don't have to do that when you go there. So we just want to make St. Andrews accessible for everyone. Uh, let me talk to Alan. And then I'll reach out. <laughs> Is your husband's name Alan as well? Yes, A L L E N. Alan Miller. Oh, got it. He played on two Walker Cup teams and a World Cup team. Wow, look at you! It's the golfing yeah. family. It is. It is amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. But yeah, you guys hey, you. have so many clients yourself. Just just reach out. Reach out. We'll take you guys, and then you can decide how you want to go from there. It'll be the it'll be the tale of two Allens. Um, yeah. that can be <laughs> very true. I'll be, be the, the translator. Yeah. He's got a pretty thick accent. It's pretty amazing. It's great. <laughs> That's okay. So, so let's shift one more time, um, and, sure. and get you to talk about your book, Grounded Golf. So what, what was the inspiration sure. behind it? Uh, and tell us what the book is about. Yeah, it's really about <laughs> performance under pressure. Ultimately, um, you know, whether you're a professional golfer, but this is kind of in reality too, just, 
a newer golfer or even just a business golf event where you're with your business associates, you're on the first tee, you don't want to make a fool of yourself. I mean, it is, I think that probably some of you would agree, again, a lot of our clients come to us and they just really want to say, I just don't want to be embarrassed out on the course. That's like the biggest yeah. deal for um, for so many people. And it's no matter how much you practice or how good your swing is, I mean, we've seen some of the best players in the world top it on the first tee. You know, it's it just happens, right, because of nerves. Tom Brady did it because, last week. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly what I had in my head um <laughs> and did you see his golf swing is good holy cow yeah yeah, yeah he's, Needless he's to say, a I'm from player. Buffalo. I was glad to see that yeah inside voice came out that's okay no worries um yeah so it's really just about um, giving a technique that probably, you know, having access to sports psychologists as a pro is like a big deal. Um, we had them in college. I think it's definitely becoming the biggest, I, I can't say it's a new thing because we have been working with sports psychologists for a while, um, but really just how to get into your space and get into the zone, but really be present over the ball. And I'm not a sports psychologist. I am not going to pretend I have a license, but um, there are other pieces of um, this world that allow you to be grounded and use techniques that are ancient techniques that are, you know, that can get you right in the moment, present in your body, focused over the ball, seeing the target and being able to perform under a pressure circumstance. And it just, it helps so much that, um, yeah, I had to write about it because a, a lot of golf books, I mean, every, there's so many incredible golf books on the mental game. It's, in, it's amazing. And this piece of the puzzle really hasn't been talked about where it's using some, you know, ancient grounding techniques and working with energy to get you present over the ball and make all the, I can't say take away the pressure because the pressure is always there, as you guys would right. agree, but being able to perform while it's in your body. What was really interesting about it is, now I haven't read the whole thing, I'm still working through it, but uh, I got through a few of the chapters before um, you came on, and right in chapter one, what I found really interesting is you talk about Nick, um, a gentleman yeah. that you met on, on the, I guess it was at the course or on the range, and he was in yeah. somewhat of a panic. And let me just preface this, because Nick is, uh, or certainly at the time you wrote this, was a scratch <laughs> golfer, so it's not like he was a 25 yeah. handicap, and and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, where typically you would see this type of thing. He was an accomplished player, and mm-hmm. literally the wheels fell off the bus. Can you, I mean, I know you can't go through the whole thing, but maybe give us just a little bit of that scenario, sure. what happened. Yeah, that's exactly kind of where it started when I realized um, <laughs> what can happen to people. Um, yeah, Nick was a um, very good golfer, scratch handicap, played with a group every day. 12 o'clock in the, on the local course that I worked at earlier on in my career. And I get this panic visit in the golf shop. This is when I was assistant pro, so I was in the golf shop a little bit. And he just came in. He's like, Tara, Tara, I can't. I don't know what's going on. I can't hit the ball. I just spent like 15 minutes at the rate. I can't get the club on the ball. I'm topping everything. I'm missing it. I said, okay, all right, go back up there. I'll meet you in five minutes. I asked my coworker if they could cover for me. And sure enough, I went up to the range, and he could not 
hit the ball. It was literally top city. Sometimes he was missing it. It was like something took over his body. It was the most incredible experience. And he's got a great golf swing, obviously, a scratch handicap. And I just had to stop him. And that's when I realized something else was going on. How do I know what to say? How do I know, you know, why am I asking him to do these things where, but really it was, it was, I just asked him about his day. And this also takes a lot, you know, LPGA, you're always asking about, you know, how are you? How are you doing this morning? What was your day like? You know, what happened? That's where I was saying, what happened this morning? And he's like, oh my gosh, I was in this meeting. I can't get the, without giving too much information of who this person was, but I didn't get the deal that, you know, we were negotiating. They went up a price. Like he was not present. He was still in the meeting. And and that's what happened. I said, right, okay, so let's, I couldn't tell him he was still in the meeting because it was just, you know, he was so wrapped up and was spiraling like nobody's business. And I think that happens to a lot of people that, that are going from straight from work to the course. It takes a few minutes to kind of get, get to the golf course and away from the job. So um, that's what we did. I, I used the, um, the calming techniques on my end. And then I just asked him to just take some practice swings, feel the, the swing that you used to have, you know, just went into the whole spiel that we, that we do as instructors. And then all of a sudden his feel came back, his tempo came back. I put a ball finally in front of him. I mean, he was taking, I was telling him to take swings at 10 or 15 without even a golf ball. He was like, what am I a beginner? I was like, yeah, you are right now. Yes, right. you are. Um, and then put a ball in front of him and then it was back just like that. So really he was, I said, listen, whatever happened in that meeting needs to stay in the meeting. The second you get out to the golf course, and again, you guys would both agree, you just, you need to be present where you are. You know, the, the worries and, will be waiting for you in the, in the car when you get back. <laughs> but if you well, want to play golf. Yeah, and that's a big problem. Um, you know, what, what, what I found interesting about that, that particular story was that it's a very commonplace with a lot of golfers, especially business types not that are, you know, in the boardroom one minute and then on the golf course the next minute, they can't seem to differentiate the two. It's like they're bringing their game, they're dragging that baggage to the golf course with them, good or bad. And mm-hmm. you, you can't be in two places at once. So really mm-hmm. what your book is about is how to stay focused in the moment, correct? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you've obviously got – Yep. And when you're on the first tee, how not to freak out, or during the, during the round as well. I mean, it's it's relevant to I think every every single person in this world that plays golf and plays, you know, other sport. You know, this is or is giving a TED talk, or you know, up in front of a, you know, people use um, different techniques every day to kind of get in the moment and be able to perform in an audience. You know, and that is, and if they have issues with that this helps them as well grounding and these are types of things that more elite players have been using now for a number of years um obviously we Mm. can't get into all the specifics we want people to go and read the book but um Mm. but these are techniques that have been looked at and you've obviously said that maybe haven't been talked as much about here um as they Mm -hmm. should have and you this is why you want to open it up um yeah this is really something that you know, you're starting to see more elite players, not just in golf, but other sports as well, or business people that are using it 
to really be grounded in in what it is they're doing at that particular moment and not sort of flailing all over the place. And that's a problem that a lot of people struggle with. So this is really what you're trying to do with the book is um, develop uh, and explain to people the different techniques that can be used um, and mm-hmm. give them and an, to an underlying... And that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, exactly. Sorry, so I didn't mean to interrupt. What do... <laughs> no, no, that's fine. So if there's really one message that you want to sort of get out there about uh, this, what would it be? If you want to go to the next level, right? We, we, all of us as instructors, we know the mental game is so incredibly important and it doesn't, you don't have to be performing at a certain level. I mean, this can be right when you start your, your golf game, being able to, you know, take the swing that you have and put it in play under pressure on the course, you can do that. And you have to, you know, you want to start earlier than later. You don't have to get caught up in the swing the whole time. It is really about performance techniques. It's about staying grounded. Um, it's about using energy and staying focused on on the ball. So everybody can do it. And you will get better at every piece of your life, not just the golf swing. Um, and there's some great, you know, workshops that can, you know, you can learn about energy, you can learn about grounding, you can, and it's, it really opens up a world of performance under pressure, but also using for your daily life. I mean, I think a lot of me personally, as a mom of two, two teenage girls and watching, you know, used to take them to school every morning and just getting wired and, um, you know, gosh, the traffic is so wild and they're, you're wiped up on coffee, just, you know, just taking a moment to breathe and be in the moment. You can use grounding techniques every day, every piece of your life, just to get in your body and just have a sense of calm under pressure. Well said. And, um, yeah, as they develop and grow and they'll learn more and more to be able to handle that, and that's, um, that's something I think that we could all use. I think it's it's yeah. a very uh, interesting book from what I've read so far, and I'm going to continue to read, obviously, uh, to uh, from front to back. But um, where can the folks get their hot little hands on a copy of this? Is it available in um, um, a hard book? What I mean by hard book, but uh, paperback. Um, yeah. Okay. And got... is it also is it digital as well, or just uh, paperback? Yes. Yeah, everything's digital. You can find it on Amazon.com, BarnesandNobles.com. Barnes and Noble um, on the Apple Store. You can you can find it anywhere. It's under Grounded Golf. It's called Steady Performance Under Pressure. I put it toward the female golfer because it is a female voice, but it is applicable to. I think somebody read it. They're like, "This is I could use this." I said, "Well, I'm glad." That's <laughs> good. And he was a male, so um, yeah, I'm I really think- glad. I'm glad you found it, and thank you for having me on. It's a True pleasure to meet both of you, especially you, well, thank Cindy. You for, thank you for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You too, Ted. You back, too, Ted. I'm just back up. Yeah, yeah. You better better back up there. All right. So also too, um, if they want to get more information about trips as well, you have a website they can go to. Yeah, we do. It's tmigolf.com, and you can find everything from travel to instruction. Um, under the instruction tab, you'll be able to find my book. Um, but yeah, Amazon's the easiest way to, to use it. And then, um, and then of course, travel to Scotland, Ireland, give us, give us a call. We can help out. And, uh, I look forward to 
chatting with both of you more about it because I'm guessing you want to go. <laughs> there we, you unfortunately, go, yes. Yeah, we got to wrap up, but uh, very interesting. Again, go to tmigolf.com if you want to get more information about uh, Tara and her book and obviously uh, the great trips and instruction. And you can also, I think, meet Alan there as well. So um, great uh, couple doing some things to make it more fun in this great game of golf. And obviously go to Amazon or wherever books are found, and you can get a, your hot little hands on a copy of Grounded Golf, Steady Performance Under Pressure for the Female Golfer. Tara, thank you very much for joining Cindy and I this morning on the Women of Golf. It was a pleasure, and uh, we we'll hope you come back again maybe later in the season and join us again and, and talk a little bit more golf and maybe uh, talk about some of the trips. Would love to. Thanks again for having me. Thank right. you. Good luck. Thank you. You too. Cheers. Bye. All right. That was Tara Fox, uh, LPGA professional and author of the book uh, Grounded Golf. Um, very interesting. I don't know if um, – Cindy, if you've had a chance to uh, look at this book yet or not, but uh, it is very, very interesting, and uh, I'm kind of excited. I didn't want to give, obviously, you know, have her give too much information um, about what's in the book because I think people need to read it uh, to understand it better than that, but uh, definitely interesting, an interesting story on how she met her husband, and uh, obviously together they're uh, putting together some trips, and who knows, maybe Alan and Cindy Miller will join them on a coming trip. I think that would be fun. Absolutely. All right. On that note, we've got to go. Uh, we've got to actually go to uh, a real job and uh, and help some folks out there in, uh, in in their golf games. But on that note, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to our Season 11 opener. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, more great shows to come. As I mentioned, next week we're going to be joined by the CBO of Epson Tour, uh, Jody Brothers, who'll be joining us on the first half, and then Debbie Witkus. Um, will be joining us on the second half. So make sure you come back and join us here on the Women of Golf. God bless everybody, and have a great day. Thanks, Cindy. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStreamLive, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf's Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash womenofgolf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.